Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. We still got morning, got six minutes till the afternoon. Hey, we're jumping into, as one of my friends titled the series, A Letter from Lockdown. Because the individual who's writing this letter, Paul, was in prison encouraging a church in Philippi. Similar, if we were saying, hey, someone's encouraging the church in Lansing. He's being used to encourage the church in Philippi. And then we have the letter Philippians. And the goal would be that as we each week go through a chapter, we're so intrigued to read the Bible, not to just get head information, but heart transformation to activate an adventure with the Holy Spirit. And we have to zoom out and say, first, what in the world is being written, and who's it being written to, and what is the purpose, and how does it impact my life? And to understand the Bible, it's all one story, one big, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, all about God's plan to restore people from when we fell. Through Jesus, he's going to bring restoration, and one day make all things new, that we will be with God forever, that even in our mistakes, our mistakes aren't final that God gets the final say as he is pursuing us so that we can ultimately be with him and be on mission like him, creative, ruling, dominion. And one day that will be so amazing. It's, it, 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 we can't even fathom our day-to-day without the effects of a fallen world. But it will be just like we're doing now, but without error, blemish, any type of issues. It will be supernatural to spend eternity with God. We won't be just living in the sky. We will have a new earth that we will rule and reign with Christ. We're going to have time to, I think, hoop. We're going to have time to learn, ask God questions like, what about the dinosaurs, Lord? A lot of us are going to get checked because we thought we knew, and then we're going to just, whoo, we didn't know. A few things about this letter is it contains no Old Testament quotations. So most of the New Testament, New Testament being Jesus shows up on the scene, there's going to be a new covenant, a new contract, a blood covenant that can't be broken. Yeah, amen. That is, that's where celebrate. That Jesus has now purchased our freedom, that anyone who believes in him is now engrafted into the family of God, that we're heirs, we're sons and daughters. And the Old Testament shows us this old covenant that God is pursuing. He's using the law to lead us to himself. That the law is perfect, but it shows us our flaws. It's a mirror. And pointing to Christ. So that the New Testament overrides with the New Covenant, the Old Testament, and the Old Covenant. But the reason that the Old Testament is quoted so many times in the New Testament is because it's one story, and it shows us that it's all connected intimately. But in this particular letter, there is no Old Testament quotations, and the book of Philippians letter really is a missionary letter of Paul writing and encouraging, saying, you gave me money, you supported me, you prayed for me, and and I'm deeply connected because I was there when you guys launched. And so each week we'll go through a different chapter, and we'll be watching a, a video from an organization called Streetlights, as we hear the Bible over music, hip-hop music, beats, because some people can't read, and the reason they created their organization was to translate the Bible and also make the Bible accessible where, one, people aren't even wanting to read, or two, they can't read, but now they have access to the Bible. So today, that should be exciting because, well, I've, I'm reading less nowadays, but I'm listening more. 
It doesn't make us better for reading it or listening it. We all have different learning styles. So this isn't a classroom that we're forced to engage in one particular way. In this Bible study, there's many on-ramps to how, and hopefully we'll see that. But we'll be going specifically through the New Living Translation. And that's because Streetlight use, Streetlights uses that. And so we'll, 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 read, we'll listen to it together. You can read along. You can read on your phone. You can read in your Bible. Um, but we'll be in the New Living Translation. And without further ado, let's jump into Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Paul's Thanksgiving in Prayer. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul's joy that Christ is preached. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul's life for Christ. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Live as citizens of heaven. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, 
and you know that I am still in the midst of it. I think the tone that uh, is being written to the church in Philippi is right in 9. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. If we pause and think of growing in knowledge and understanding and think of the settings we've been in when we've grown in knowledge and understanding, i.e. school comes to mind or our home, a lot of times we don't often associate that with love. I think we can relate to asking our teachers to say, hey, am I ever going to use this? Who, what, what, what are we using? Now, if one teacher just would have said this, no. But what you're doing is actually just proving that you can learn and abide by the rules. And if you can do that, society will see you as a higher qualified candidate. And yes, some of this you will apply, but ultimately you're just learning how to learn. Or in other words, actually just follow and submit to a system you have no input on. <laughs> and that's that's a true like when you boil it down you break it down you got some people it's it's hard to just follow something if you don't know why and what he's saying is hey look the whole point of growing and knowing any knowledge or understanding of who God is is remember it's all about God's love I want that to grow in us that today we could think oh I want love to grow God, we pray that your love will grow right now in us more and more. That it will be love that we want to read. Love that we want to connect. Love that we want to understand. Love to grow so big today in this place. Not that love that we possess or earn, but love that comes from you, straight from you. A relentless, amazing, unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. So how this church starts, we got to look at Acts chapter 16. We get a story of how Paul is engaged, engaging a couple individuals and two, uh, two specific families that we see are getting saved. And this is how the church is beginning in Philippi. Picking up from verse 12, it says, From there we reach Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And so Roman rule, they've adopted the Roman way. Basically, they're going with the flow. And if we apply this to us, if someone really feels that their kind of American way or democracy is not necessarily, they're from America, but they're adopting all the American culture. That's what's taking place. They're doing everything to be like the Roman, uh, Roman Empire from speech, from dress, and, all, and all, all that's happening. And this is an urban city that's, uh, Philippi. And we stayed there for several days. And on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat to speak with some of some women who had gathered there. Highlight women. Because in this ancient time, we think of gender inequality today or racial inequality or even economic inequality the gap is very severe. Women in authority, in any type of esteemed position, especially religious power, this wouldn't be thought of as women should be leaders. But we see that through Jesus' life countless times, that he's esteeming women, he's empowering women. So when we read this in the text, we see women. We can't just gloss over that. That's amazing. There's women praying. And too often, you know what's happened? And guys, can I just vent for a second? We got women leading the way all the time. Because they're, they're, they're holding it down. But guys, we also got to rise up. You know, the church needs men because the women are already here. They've been waiting for you to show up. They dragged some of you to church today. I saw it on a guy's service at 10 a.m. I was talking to her, you know, and she's like, yeah, this is my husband. And he, man, he couldn't even, he was like staring at the ceiling. He couldn't do everything besides look at me. I was like, dude, it's obvious. You don't want to be here. It's all good. Sit down, you know. Anyways. All right, so. 14, one of them was Lydia of Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. And she owns a business. Purple cloth is prestigious. She's wealthy. And she worshiped God. 
and she listened to and and she listened to us they opened lord opened her heart and she accepted what paul was saying she and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests if you agree that i'm a true believer in the lord she said come and stay at my home and she urged us until we agreed and so now she gets saved her household she's she's going to use her home her influence and specifically her wealth to to empower the good news and his messengers in any way possible. So instantly, saved, gratitude. I want people to come to my house, and I want to empower you. If you believe, come on, because we got to do this thing together. Can I host you? Can I empower you? Can I send you with money? And she starts to then use her wealth and use her influence for the good news. And then another instance, it says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Not all spirits are of God. Not all people who predict the future are of God. In fact, all prophecy should be edifying, remind us of who Jesus is, and be open to question and interpretation, not just thus says the Lord stuff. It should always flow through Scripture, accountability through Scripture. But God still does prophesy all the time. He's got words in this place. There might be someone today that you look across this room and you just know you're supposed to say hi to somebody. And God might give you an image and, and submit it humbly and just say, hey, I'm not sure if this connects. And you never know how it can or might be. The other day I had a friend. I said, I see an image of you kind of like, um, and I didn't know the, the, I said, the Japanese anime. And when the anime figures, they just get super intense and crazy like Dragon Ball Z, and they power up because I was listening to uh, an athlete talk about how he powers up. And uh, I said, I just see you powering up. And he goes, or he sends a picture of his journal, and it's Dragon Ball Z, which is anime powering up. And he goes, hey, thanks for that. It's a journal I'm writing in right now. And I thought that was just so cool. It wasn't because it wasn't I'm this prophet. It was because God wanted to encourage him. And I thought it was weird for me to even say, hey, I got this idea, like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're an anime character powering up. <laughs> right? But anyways, just flow. So she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This is amazing. This went on day after day. She's recognized there's a more powerful spirit until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, because it wasn't necessarily of God. She's distracting. It's a demon. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered because they're out there. She's making them money by telling fortunes. And they grabbed Paul and Silas. They dragged them to the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Christianity is the biggest threat when it messes with people's pocketbooks. Power, money, rule. A mob quickly formed, verse 22, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeons and clapped, clamped their feet in the stocks. So thrown into jail... The last thing I would think to do is then pray, thank God, sing some songs, and then later be thrown into jail and then also encourage the church in Philippi that jail would be a place of worship. Jail could now be a place of thanksgiving. Jail could be a place of encouragement to other people. Friends, I've just done a little time of jail, 27 days, different weekends. I've been arrested a couple other times. Thank God for grace. That was many, many moons ago, but that doesn't mean that I'm still, I still need that same grace today, okay? So there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. But I can tell you jail is not a place that I wanted to be encouraging others. In fact, I wanted people to be encouraging me. And the last thing I want to do is write letters from lockdown about how God could use and change the world. I was mad at the world. It's lonely. It's empty. But here's how they responded. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. 
As we worship, it changes the atmosphere around us. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So instantly, he draws a sword to kill himself because he sent there to protect and make sure no prisoners get out because if they get out he has failed his job so they're going to kill him anyways so he says look if they're going to kill he's going to kill himself paul shouts stop don't kill yourself we're all here the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before paul and silas then he brought them out and asked sirs what then must i do to be saved this should be the question for anyone here today that feels far from God or has not said, Jesus, take my life. Life is but a vapor. It's short. I think sometimes as messengers, we think we got to preach the good news. Yeah, we do. But that somehow we think that us preaching, that that saves people. God saves people. Our preaching is just soil we plant, and then our preaching is also watering that soil. But ultimately, God's got to make it grow, and the hearer should respond. There's a snowstorm coming Wednesday. Heard more, you know, more inches. I, I don't have to go to your house and figure out how to shovel your house for you. Come on, you're smart enough to know. You hear it. You know the cost. You know what's going to happen. Right? So a messenger does not mean they have to equip each person with all the methods or the means or help them and come along. They just simply shout it out. And by our lives, our lives should draw people in in such a way that people would even ask, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, this is so cool. They didn't reply, hey, go to church. They didn't reply, hey, you got to give in the offering. They just said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. How are we saved today? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Oh, yes. God is simple. And then there's this bonus. Because in that culture, not only would, if the, if the head of the household say, but now everyone wants to follow. Men, everyone wants to follow. Along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. So they're all hearing it now. And then even that hour, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house. They set a meal. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is the backdrop. To Philippians 1. This is, the church, this is how the church was created. Through jail. Through women. Through business. Through very simple, natural, common things. And we would think that it has to be some miraculous all the time. Yeah, the, the doors opening, that's miraculous. But God didn't promise that the doors would open. They just worshiped because they had been set free. So they knew that there was no prison that could take away their freedom. You know, that's a tough gospel, going and preaching at a prison with level four and level five inmates staring at you that are going to be there from minimum 20 to life. And this is the first time they've got to come to chapel in three years because there was a riot. And then here comes us there on a Saturday night. Got our little church band team. And then the prison guards are like, all right, so here, here's the button. On your waist. And if you need it, just press it. I was like, awesome. Well, they'll be on stage with us. It's a little, I mean, this chapel, it, it, it fits all of 200. And guess what? There's all of 200 in there. And, and, and there's not even, like this, there's a pretty distance. I'm this close to level four and level five inmates. This close. And all the guards, so they say, all right, all right, we'll see you. And, and they all just literally go to the back and then they go sit in this room. They're just hanging out. I look around, I'm like, there's not one guard in here anymore. And at that moment, I'm like, all right, we're going to preach boldly. Because they're looking at you like, Man, look, little church kid. Like, we had to come, but what's up? And I just said, hey, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but my name's Jerome. And I want you to tell you that we actually don't have to be here. We want to be here. Because it's Saturday night and... No one's telling us we have to be here. We're paying to be here. We're not getting paid. And I, we're going to play some songs and stuff tonight, but i got to ask you a question. Any of the rappers you listened to growing up in your life come and visit you? But a lot of the music we listened to, right, brought us here. And I said, so all I'm 
trying to say is this, is I'm going to give you respect. Will you give me respect? And here's why. Because I'm not here because I'm cool. I'm not here because, like, somehow you deserve pity. I'm here because God actually loves and visits those when they're in prison. And so God came today through us to say he loves you on a Saturday night, and he sees you. And it reset the whole room. And then I said, freedom, unfortunately, is taken away from many of us in this room from mistakes, but you can have freedom in our soul forever. And then by the end of it, I'm telling you, grown men just coming up, weeping, bawling, and uh, giving their lives to Jesus, something supernatural about remembering that we're a part of this eternal story. That's what's taking place. It's going on. That's what it means when we're Christians. So I've titled this message, I'm in a win-win situation forever. And I want to go through some points, but, but ultimately I want to highlight some things in Philippians 1. I love being a part of this church. When I think of myself talking, I think of myself out of body experience sitting down right next to Pastor Crystal. And I'm sitting down right next to my wife and I'm listening to the same thing that I'm sharing because I need the same gospel I'm preaching, because it's hopefully Jesus. So interpret everything through the scriptures. Only follow us as we follow Christ. Our drummer, Ron, was backstage. I walked by him. I look at, I look at and he's on his phone. And I was like, what's up? And I looked, and he was, he was uh, Tony Evans. He was listening to more uh, further introduction into, into Philippians. He was diving in further into the text. So, you got your Bible reading done for the day for sure. We just listened to a whole chapter. That's more than some of us have done in 17 weeks. Right? So we're done there. So now we're going to get some highlights that we can take home. But this is an adventure. Hopefully it's starting to take away that idea of like, oh, class. No, this is an exciting adventure. Because I'm in a win-win situation forever. Well, how is that true? Because I am, will never be ashamed because I'll continue to be bold for Christ. I have, as I've been in the past, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. If that's true, I win forever. For me to live, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. How do we get there? How do we get there to where death is real and I want to do it? What? But yet I want to live so I can live to benefit the people and the call that are in my life. This is cool. Number one, to jump into this, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in a win-win situation forever, is this. We are slaves of Jesus. That should feel abrasive for a second. Because slaves is not a popular thing. In fact, it's Black History Month. Slavery is wicked. And we've had to create a whole month because a heritage and a people group has been so hidden that their contributions haven't even been acknowledged. So we've suppressed people for so long that the history books don't reflect the contribution. And even in church, we've whitified everything. And we don't even acknowledge the contribution of African-American culture, even into the doctrine that me and you, in the methods that me and you are in right now. Like right now, there's so many different people groups that contributed to us right now. Slavery is wicked in the world's ways. In fact, in Galatians 3, it says this, neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile. Jews are the chosen people. Gentiles like, oh my goodness. We'll tolerate them because God made them, but they're definitely outsiders. I mean, this is stepchild on a whole nother level. Jew nor Gentile, we are one in Christ. And since we're one in Christ, now how do then I move and operate? Well, there was this preacher. He uh, did this illustration. And he was laying down in a coffin. I figured that'd be a little too awkward today. So I just lay on the ground. And he's laying down. He's like, you know. And they were, they were mourning the person, and da, da, da. And he's like, oh, I was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. <laughs> you know, and they get up. <laughs> Every whole room's like, whoa, that's an awkward illustration. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. We were dead, never make ourselves right. By his grace, he makes us brand new. Now we are brand new. Therefore, I have been bought with a high price. Yes, I can call him father. Yes, I can call him friend. He's counselor, comforter. 
but he's also a great master and somebody that he's bought all of the rights. I don't own myself anymore, no longer. So I understand that the picture of that I'm property, yeah, 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 but I'm not property in the world's ways. I don't adopt someone else's last name because I have to. I don't have to follow my master. In fact, I get to because my master is so awesome that I have a high privilege of being also, as many translations will put it, a servant of Christ. And you know why they say servant of Christ? Because no one wants to say they're a slave of Christ. You know what the Bible says? I'm a slave of Christ. That means i got to come to the table and say, hey, not my will, but yours be done. This is tough. But I think we all get it. If we stop and think about it, it's like, you're right. I'm not in control. He's a good father. Second observation. Um, number two, we are holy people who belong to Jesus. That's exciting. We're his property. But we also have the gift of leadership from God. We belong to Jesus, but he's writing this letter to also the church leaders and deacons. And we pause there and say, why is there church leaders and deacons if we're all in the family of God? Because he uses coaches to coach us. And good coaches don't make it about them. Good coaches should make it about what's in the team. It's whack when the coach makes it about themselves. It's about the players. Now, I recognize we have many thoughts in a, and we've been abused with when we think of leaders because we think of domineering or somebody over us. And so the natural tendency is to isolate and say, no one's over me. I pay my own bills. I I'll submit as I want. Don't dare check me. But if you think of the illustration for a second that we have kids at Michigan State, 18 to 22, Tom Izzo goes ballistic. The older he goes, the more intense it gets. And he keeps looking at him. He's yelling at him. We got 30,000 people looking at these kids like, hit the shot, da -da -da, play defense. And we're all the millions at home watching them. And then later we can, you know, type on Instagram and all these things and talk about these little kids. These kids have submitted because they're kids, 18 to 22, still kids. It's fine. They've submitted to coaching in front of all of us, and we celebrate it. But yet when we get checked in the church, we don't even understand that leadership's a gift from God. And we get checked like this much, and we're like, oh, how dare they check me and coach me? Oh, how dare? No, no, no. I, wanna, I want us to now, even though maybe you had some bad experiences, recognizing that church leadership and deacons are there to create order and empower. What's in you? It's not about the coach. It's about Coach Jesus coaching you. And so he's given us the gift of leaders. So this might be a new day where you're like, all right, well, I'm going to believe again. I'm going to commit. I'm going to submit. Where are we at with the gift of church leadership? In every leader, hear this loud and clear. I'm not at the top of the food chain. I'm submitted. I got overseers. We're part of a network. Accounting is done out of the house here. We don't even do our own accounting. This isn't some get rich quick. We're trying to love the city one life at a time to make sure every person knows who Jesus Christ is, period. We don't like how Lansing's geared up in such a way that you can drive by neighborhoods that have dead-end streets everywhere, and it's like the dead-end streets no one really thinks about, but as everything else is developing, we care about the dead-end streets. We think that God says that's where he loves most, and that's where he starts. And all those little neighborhoods that are hidden, some of us live in, and we get to see everything else be developed, and people just drive by. People come into work downtown, they just jet. We're all a part of this. Whether you live in the city or outside of the city, we should care about the benefit of Jerusalem in front of our face. And so why is church leadership powerful? Because church leadership should empower a mission that God has sent for such a day as this. On number three. Yeah. You guys still with me? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a preacher yesterday. His sermon was an hour and ten minutes long. I was like, man, I can go longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. Okay. The missionary is connected to us, and we are connected to the missionary. Paul's writing. They've been partners in spreading the good news. He's, this is the purpose. He's thanking them that they, they, they sent him money. They gave him money. They gave him prayers. And they've taken part in everything he's doing out there. We are connected to the missionary, and the missionary is connected to us. So as a local people, we're also connected to all the local and glo or global missionaries across the world. One of which, our missionary, some of my best friends, had to come back from China because of the coronavirus. They were sent from the organization. They're under, said, you have to leave now because of this virus. And their hearts are broken. Broken. Because they still want to be there. 
But when he texts me, I feel a part of what they're doing, and he feels a part of what we're doing here. You know, you don't, you've mo- never even met the family. But they say, hey, keep loving Lansing. It inspires us. When I see the Love the City truck, it inspires us. Hey, I love what God is calling you to do. Thank you. You know what they told our interns? Our interns were like, well, how can we help you in China with your family and your little tiny kids? And he goes, you know how you can help us? Keep loving Lansing. So when we get back, we can just see it and be so proud of it. Isn't that awesome? That's a connection, isn't it? That's a connection. He texted me and said, you know, because there's sacrifices to be a missionary. Just like there's sacrifices to be a missionary here. To love different types of, there's sacrifice. But he goes, you know, in China, they can't flush, we can't flush toilet paper. There you go. Connect the dots. In China, we can't flush toilet paper. He goes, but man, it's nice to be back just flushing toilet paper again. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man, being a missionary is uncomfortable. But for the love of God, that it would be greater, that the win-win situation, that I have purpose in when I'm alive because my life's no longer my own. Number four, the power to finish is in the hands of the one who started it all. If you feel like you can't finish today, or you feel like there's somebody in your life that you just, you just wish they were finishing better or they were going better, don't worry. Let's remove the power from us today. The power's in the Lord's hands because he will continue. Whose work? His work. Whose work? His work. Whose work? Who's building you? Jesus. Who's building our friends? Jesus. That's good. That's good news. It's really, it's liberating. Text a friend, and I said, hey, thinking about you. Haven't talked to him in quite some time. And he goes, man, I'm going through an agnostic season. And in that moment, I was struggling with that because he's Christian. He's like, ah, I'm kind of going away. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian anymore. And I thought, he doesn't need to hear me preaching at him again. He's, come on, man, he's there. He helped us. He was traveling with us when we were missionaries. I said, hey, dude, love you, bro. And we just, I changed the subject because I realized he didn't need another thing. He didn't. Because I ultimately was trusting this. I was there when God started that work. And I know he'll bring it through to completion. God won't stop. He won't stop. He won't stop. Number five, there's good news, okay? But it grows in the soil of persecution and it can't be stopped. That the good news of Jesus has grown in the soil of persecution and can't be stopped. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me, beaten, whipped, in prison, letter from lockdown, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. When we're wronged at our job, does everybody know that we've been wronged and it's okay because we're Christians? Or do we fight all the time? And that's tough because we need to fight for justice. They go hand in hand. We need to fight for equality. It goes hand in hand. But at the same time, how we fight looks a lot differently all the time. And then ultimately, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. We need heroes in our life, friends. Worship team, if you guys could come up. We have so much noise in our society. Netflix, Hulu, Hulu Live, YouTube Premium. Now, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, if I want to watch the fight. Well, now I got to go on and on and on and on. And I got to subscribe. All these things, and it's showing us all this picture of what greatness looks like, fulfillment looks like. And if it, it, we, we, we're always left with a gap. We're watching someone else's story. But how many heroes do we keep in front of us that are like in jail, singing songs, going to China, taking their family, and reminding us, hey, keep running for Jesus? Don't we wish we could hear more hero stories? That's what Paul's saying here. Just by hearing my story, more people got boldness and confidence. By hearing the story of heroes in front of us. By hearing the story of so many people that have like suffered so that you and I can be here. I got to speak at a conference in Lansing uh, two years ago now. It was the We Are One conference and I was the only white preacher. But when I grew up, 
it's, it's very interesting what God did in me because I'm just one generation removed from some serious racism. So my grandpa, my dad brought home uh, one of his black friends once, and my grandpa was like, he was like, hey, he can't be here. And my dad was crushed. It's one of the only stories he's ever told me about my grandpa, and I have my grandpa's middle name, or his first name is my middle name. My dad was crushed. And I was thinking, man, that's such a weird thing. Like, what the heck? And I think, oh, yeah, like, wow, that's how our country, our country's built on division. You know, we're the United States, but yet we're divided with hate. And it's in all of us. And I was thinking through the privilege I get just from being white and how sad that is. And we got to close the gap. But then I was thinking about how my dad helped me close the gap. My family, my mom, and so many different people in my life, they just helped me. They always invited me to different culture and different people. And I grew up, I remember genuinely wanting to be black because I wanted to be a rapper at one point. I wanted to be a hoop player. I wanted to be an NFL player. And guess what? All my heroes and role models are black. So I'm like, dude, I'm for sure at a disadvantage. This is over. Randall Cunningham's on my wall. Dr. J's on my wall. I got Charles Barkley coat. Like that, it was, that's it. You want to be like Mike? He's like black Jesus, like LeBron said. I mean, I just want to, you want to do this stuff. And, uh, but yet it was just my dad invited me to a different culture and a different experience and a different, you know, take on it. And so helping shape it. And then over time, seeing the biases that are created in my heart, and maybe it's not even just race, but class. You see somebody start to think of one particular way, you judge someone, and we, we've all done it. I bet if I drove in the car, we'd all talk about certain parts of the city, certain people group, we start stereotyping, we don't recognize we do it. And we do it. But I was speaking at that conference, and I got to go first, which doesn't even make sense. The white kid gets to go first at this diversity conference, and I'm the only white kid. And I went first, and I just started weeping because I saw all the African-American pastors in the front row. And, 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 and there wasn't too many Hispanic pastors there. There should have been some more. But, but it was just kind of a black-white thing because, unfortunately, race gets kind of minimized and dumbed down to that, too. But it's not. It's way more complex, okay? I mean, people are feeling this. Uh, Asian, so many different people. And this is why the gospel is so crazy. It's a game changer. The fact that God calls us one in Christ, wow. And he actually celebrates diversity in that when we come in Christ, unity does not mean conformity. It's celebration, not separation. So we're like, yeah, I see color. I see differences. I see that. But you know what? That's good because God made you that way. I need to learn different music. I need to learn different foods. I need to learn about different culture. Like, that's good. And, you know, I stopped at this conference. I looked front row and I said, hey, guys, I just don't, you got me leading the way. But the, the point is I shouldn't even be leading the way. You've been leading the way. Because we celebrate, especially in church, all these old dead white guys that tell us all this stuff. And we don't have enough history that tells us about how many specifically in this setting african-american preachers led the way and i start thinking everyone i know that's straight up marginalized is actually showing me stuff like this a lot better than any of my white friends sorry white preachers and i just said dude thank you because you've shown me what suffering looks like. You've shown me that persecute. You fight differently. And you've shown me that the good news can grow through that. And I'm sure it's been hard. And that's why sometimes you have outlet and you don't even want the white people to come. I get it. But let's not overcompensate. Now let's get into a place to where, and kudos to y'all, because city life is like the land of the misfits, okay? I mean, you look out here, we're all, hey, hey. I don't, man, we probably don't listen to the same music. That's all good. My wife carries around Chile in her purse. Do you? But it's all good. Right? Mi esposa, mexicana, you know? <laughs> because my brothers and sisters of color and white people, guess what? You're a color too. <laughs> so we're all of color, but to use that term for a minute, have led the way and given me boldness because I need new heroes. I don't want heroes that dunk a ball anymore. I want heroes that have been in chains and know what it's like to suffer and be whipped and be hurt and, right? Yeah, 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 that's the kind of heroes I want. Heroes that are fighting differently. I watched a movie of Mr. Rogers. I grew up thinking Mr. Rogers is El Dork. Like, like yo, 
Mr. If you're watching Mr. Rogers, that's instant, that's instant line in the sand that we're probably not friends. It's just fine. Not because I'm against it. It's just, it's just like, yo, we, there's, there's so many things we'd have to talk about to even get where we're at. And I was so convicted and inspired because Mr. Rogers was fighting the good fight of faith that I didn't realize he was a minister, he was a missionary, and he was dealing for racial reconciliation at levels. He had a black cop in his show. That the, 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 the individual was like, I don't feel comfortable being the cop. He's like, I want you to be the cop, and it'll be good because we need to show a new story and paint a new picture of a new day. And then it was, there was a time when blacks couldn't even swim in the pool with whites. And during that same time, what he did was it showed him Mr. Rogers washing his feet, and here comes the black cop. He sits down. And then next thing you know, like, they start washing their feet together in the same pool. Because that's how he was fighting. He was not just saying, hey, what I'm against, I'm actually going to show you what I'm for. So when he's in prison, he's showing, hey, I'm for the Lord. You may, you may have wronged me today, but God's got tomorrow. He's got forever. That's what's happening. Number six, Jesus is the only way, and that'll preach so we can get caught up in what's this church do? What's that church do? I heard a preacher's got a jet. I heard they don't. Let's just focus on, man, are they preaching Jesus is the only way or not? And then out of that, because Paul says, hey, whether they preach uh, for pure motives, man, I mean, I'm not sure if they have selfish ambition or I'm not sure, but, but intending to make their change. But that doesn't matter whether their motives, 18, are false or genuine. The message about Christ is preached either way. So I rejoice. That's in the text for Philippians 1. So TV preachers and stuff, yeah, I don't know. Some of it's like, ah, yeah, but God uses it. But let's not discount Jesus and his church on not understanding a few different methods. Let's get this kind of heartbeat. And then seven, living for Jesus is, more, is fruitful, but death is better to be with Jesus. This one's tough. This one's tough. Verse 22, if I live, I can do more fruitful work. But if you look just the sentence before, 21, but dying's even better. How do we live between two worlds? Man, that I, I'd be okay dying today. How do I? It's tough. I got a lot of work to do. Our view of eternity has to increase. Increase. That's what Paul's reminding the church. saying, hey, no matter what's happening, I want you to remember it's worth it. I wrote a song called Legacy. I used to write it in the basement. And I just, it's before we had so many kids now. And uh, we got a lot now. But, and it's harder now to sing this song. Because then it was just like, okay, maybe if, if, if God called me home, it'd just be Crystal and maybe our one son. And now it's so much more, right? And, and, it, and the lyric goes, to leave a legacy. Focus my life on eternity. I'm just a dash on a tombstone. Don't remember me. Because when I die, you'll say, Jesus is my everything. I say it again, boy. Jesus is my everything. The purpose of my life to worship him and to give glory. I'm just a page of a chapter up in his story. Hey, yo, you know what I mean? And if you feel the same way, let's rep the king. And those lines have been forever some of the hardest lines to sing because it's true. Life is but a vapor. I mean, we see that with Kobe. We see that with our friends and family, right? It's hard watching your friends breathe their last breath because they're on life support before they get harvested so that they can become an organ donor all across the nation for people's lives to still live. But you're watching one of your best friends on life support. That's hard. But yet, he knew Jesus and he's in a better place. What? Wait, that's, whoa, perspective. I need eternal perspective. And eternal perspective is, yeah, we're just a dash. But God says we get to be part of it all. And our point of our whole life is to give him glory. So we live with that kind of purpose today. And that one day we'll get to spend forever with him. That's why living for Jesus is fruitful. But death is better to be with Jesus. And here's the last thing. 
A unified people is God's heart. I'm for the armed forces. I don't understand war. I don't know if I'm a pacifist or what. I just not actively getting that. But I know people are called to that. But Americans, for a second, we have a citizenship of heaven that supersedes our national allegiance. We're citizens of heaven first. And we conduct ourselves worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or I only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And it continues. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed. <laughs> that is awesome. But that you are going to be saved. So God will destroy our enemies. We don't have to fight them. God will. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Anybody in the room been suffering? Come on, anybody been suffering? We've been given a privilege to suffer with him. You have seen my struggle, right? We are in this together. And you know that I am still in the midst of it. That God is in the midst of our pain, but we are in this struggle together. I used Trevor last time. Danny, come here real quick. SB, will you come here? SB, also known as Shondell. Well, Shondell's his name. SB's his producer name. Come on up. Now, there was this time in American history here where race was just so tense. And yet, there was a war going on, the Vietnam War. And so, whites were being drafted, blacks were being drafted, and sent out to war. But because we had a common enemy, what happened was, just move to your back, just turn this way, right there, right there, just face that way, yep, and then come here, face that way, yep, and then just get a little, just back to back for a second. What happened was, right there, whites and blacks had to fight together. Why? Vietnam War. And what happened is, is friendships started developing and realized, you know what? Dang, we got a lot in common. Dang, we got, if we start focusing on more of what we had in common, what could really happen? You know, it's so sad that war would unite us. Yuck. Why? Because there was a common enemy. But you know, today in this place, we have a con common enemy, Satan. And we have a common goal, God, people, love. What? Discipleship, good news. Yeah? How about that, right? And so... As whites and blacks fought back to back for a Vietnam War, can it be a day that we would fight? Look at this text. That we're in this struggle together? That in this place, Asians, Hispanic, Latin, you name, what, all of the races, bring them in, let's go. All of them. Because there's a lot of people that don't even identify with anything either. Class, culture, what? Bring us in. Because we're going to keep fighting back to back for the cause of of Christ. Come on, give it up for our volunteers today. Thank you, guys. Come on, give it up for them one more time. All right, we're going to end here, and uh, here's what we're going to do. We took 10 extra minutes, so make, make sure you thank the kids team. I've been doing that a lot this, this year, so it's all good. I, I was off for two months, so you, you, you put a preacher off for a couple months or whatever, and he's just going to go crazy on the microphone. But I just want, I know the Lord wants to get some really depth in us this year. Because where he's taken us, um, man, the enemy can't take us out. And if we fight together, he can't take us out. But we got to get these deep roots in us. We really do. We got to get rooted. And can we take a moment and examine our hearts as we leave? Just close your eyes. Where are we at with today? Do we belong to Christ? Because today you can be saved. It's simple. Just say, Jesus, take my life. I believe in you, that you are Lord. Today, where are we at with understanding 
that the cause of Christ is a win-win situation forever. That the suffering today, that's a privilege. That's not easy. That through our pain, Paul was used to encourage through prison. Maybe today, what feels like a prison would now be an opportunity and a platform to encourage somebody else. That all of the mistakes and all of the shame and all of it right now, that God could use it right now. Right now. He's the way maker. The way maker. The way maker. I want to pray a blessing on everybody here. On behalf of heaven, as a citizen and sent here as a leader to empower and to coach, I ask that all of God's best will rush into you right now. That all of the help, that God would fight the battles for you and you would not feel alone. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll provide clear direction in our life when we feel that we can't see up, down, left, right. That today, the pressure's off. There's a new way. That you might have your Dragon Ball Z moment right here, right now, customized from heaven to you. I pray that there's images that are coming in our mind, that we start to release control There's images that God's given you a new picture of what the future looks like. One that's bright, electric, just like the graphics that there's, there's, there's like a rainbow coming down from heaven into the clouds of our life for this series. That there's, there's an electric portal. Portal's a word I've been thinking of a lot lately. That there's a portal open of me or you. That God's best is rushing in us, through us, for us, surrounding us. There's a force field on us that our presence changes everything. And we're just in a jail cell, but yet we're singing. And yet just the presence of us being there, because the presence of God is in us, that it is changing the present environment around us, that you could see yourself right now that set apart, that you're that special. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your job. He cares about your friendships. In Jesus' name, blessing to walk in the power of heaven outside this place. Here's what I'd I'd love to do as we leave. Can we stay quiet in here? And the the worship team is just going to sing that hook. If anyone can stay, you can. They'll they'll sing for about another five minutes or so. Uh, People that got to get their kids will will leave and go do that. That's awesome. But we'll we'll, we'll just, just for a minute, we'll marinate in that, in in the spirit of, of slowness. And just letting the Lord seal it today. And to sing that as we go. And some of us maybe just come up to the front. Uh, maybe weep for a little bit. Maybe stay for a little bit. I was one of those weirdo church kids when I first got saved. I show up at every service, man. I just be there all the time. Everyone's like, dude, who, what's up with that kid? I just, I'd stay for multiple services. Multiple services. Same message. Because I needed, I needed new stuff. I knew what the world programmed. Right? I knew the stuff I was listening to. So we'll sing. Let them sing over you. And I want to encourage you, don't do life alone. We're in this together. We got groups right around the corner. Sign up in the app. Sign up at the table with that TV. Say hi to somebody. I got to talk to this cool little family, and they were saying, I haven't got my free shirt yet. And the mom was saying to the kid, go get it, go get it. She had to go out there, and she goes, I hate I hate a church. And then I start coming here, and I love it. And we never want to miss a Sunday. And I thought that was just so beautiful, what God's doing through the patient work of, of the team here, right? the patient work of heaven but don't be afraid maybe you got to be like that that teenage girl and go to the tv today and say i'm here i want to be on file i want to be known i want to join a group and make sure you thank those kids workers um you can give them the preacher handshake that means like 20 dollars or something on the side i'm kidding 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 someone's like dang it that's why i never trust the church right crystal (laughs) i haven't gotten a preacher handshake in a while don't worry guys but god's been faithful 
No, I'm kidding. We got an 04 uh, Toyota Sienna with 240,000 miles, but one day it's going to be brand new. And we're not going to apologize because we know we're not preaching for selfish ambition, right? So, like, it's all good because Christ is being preached. And only follow us as we follow Christ. So hear that loud and clear. Why don't you stay in worship and, uh, and then just leave in the spirit of, of slowness. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.